so long, for so long. Gotta get a little light inside. Welcome to another episode of Big Girl Panties. I'm Jennifer Hodugatz. I woke up at 6 a.m., got dressed in the clothes that I had laid out the night before, and turned on my curling iron to fix my slept-in hair. I'm not a morning person per se, but I was pumped and a bit nervous. I had been invited by an ad agency to represent them at a very small yet elite upfront to speak to the press about the new offerings being rolled out. Just to let those who don't know what it is, an upfront is a place where networks put on elaborate stage presentations to highlight their shows to potential ad buyers in hopes they'll want to spend big money to advertise. It was a great opportunity for my podcast production company, The Hangar Studios, to network there. And as usual, the possible outcome could be incredible. When I was invited, I felt my apprehension creep up. I quickly asked myself two questions. If fear were not a factor, would I say yes? And if I didn't say yes, would I regret it later? I responded on the phone with, absolutely, I'll be there. And it was set. After all, what's the best that could happen? My usual MO is to say yes to great opportunities that scare me or are outside of my box, then deal with my fears later. It's this constant pushing myself out of the door that has given me not only confidence, but the most incredible leaps and bounds in what I want in my life. Even saying this, I can hear that it sounds easy. It's not for me, in any way, shape, or form. The best way to explain it is to picture that I'm standing on a cliff. And there's a river of everything I want below. I keep looking over the edge. My body is shaking. My hands are sweating. My my head is screaming, no. I really want to get to that river because that is where everything is possible. Then before I can back out, a carbon copy of myself comes up behind me and shoves me over. I'm screaming all the way down, and right before I hit the river, a parachute of knowledge opens up, and I land safely in the river of possibilities. It can feel a bit like that. I had not been able to sleep the night before. Don't you just love how the night before any big event, whether it's a meeting, party, vacation, or anything that's exciting, you can't sleep? I laid in my bed till 3 a.m., telling myself, just go to sleep. I meditated. I went through my notes. I basically did anything that would get me there. When the clock showed 2 a.m., I got upset that I wasn't getting the sleep I needed and stayed up longer. I had spent weeks preparing for this, and now I looked like it. After the yes, fear grabbed on. My nervousness was one that I'm familiar with. Did I know what I was talking about? What is the press going to ask me? What if I can't answer them? And so on. I didn't know what I was going to be faced with that day, and didn't want to fuck it up or look like an idiot. I find that self-doubt has a nasty snowball effect. I quickly got images of the end scene in the movie Big, where Josh turns back into the preteen he was before making his wish to be big by the fortune-telling machine Zoltar. 
The emotional scene shows him walking down the street. He then stops, turns around, and waves goodbye to Susan. Josh's suit, now immensely oversized, as now he's back to being 13 instead of 35. A scene that has popped up several times in my life and so apropos that morning. I felt like a kid in adult clothing, like I was almost pretending to be a functioning, full-grown person, as if I was playing with the adults that would not understand me, judge me, or that would know more than me, and I was just a microscopic fish in a much bigger pond. I started to laugh at myself as I remembered that I've been here before, and not in the same exact location, but in the thoughts and feelings sense. When these self-doubt conversations pop up, they're like watching a championship ping-pong match. Serve a thought like, I don't know what I'm doing, and watch it volley back and forth, adding on a new thought with every hit. What if I don't know the answer? What if they think I'm a fraud? Maybe they'll know I'm full of shit. What if I'm not dressed appropriately? What if they don't understand what I'm trying to say? until the end of the rally. It can be both humbling and a nightmare once these thoughts get going. But I've learned to look back at my history at other times this has happened and take a look at what my results were. Instantly, I was sent back a few years when a client of mine who was working with insurance companies called me. My expertise was, and still is, marketing and business startups. I had, at that point, been teaching entrepreneurs how to start their new businesses and market them based on their industries. I had done the same with him, bringing his new coaching startup from $5,000 to $750,000 in a year. He thought it was a good idea to speak to the heads of one of the world's largest insurance companies to give my thoughts on their email marketing. At the time, I thought, Who the hell am I to be giving advice to a corporation that's been around for over 150 years? I was a wreck, feeling a little bit like Apple was asking me, the person who's been sketching ideas for designs in my garage, for advice on their new iPhone. As usual, I pushed myself into the mortifying territory and set the date for the meeting. The clock was ticking and time was getting closer. Both of my kids were home screaming at each other and the video game they were playing. The dogs were barking at the chaos, and I had four minutes till the call. I told the kids I was going to be on an important call, and that I couldn't be disturbed unless someone was bleeding or on fire. Then I went upstairs, closed my bedroom door, grabbed my phone, climbed into the closet, and shut the door. I found the perfect spot on top of my high heel shoes lining my floor. I was still in my pajamas. Not the pretty kind, but the oversized plaid sleep pants, tank top, and stained sweatshirt that I just couldn't bear to part with because it was so comfy. My hair was a rat's nest, and I'm pretty sure I didn't brush my teeth yet. Thank God that this wasn't a video meeting. I dialed into the conference line to be met on the phone with four other very corporate-sounding men in their 50s and 60s talking industry lingo that might as well have been Swahili to me. 
um, million ounces of production. Uh, I giggled at the scene in my mind of four men in suits and ties sitting around a large, perfectly shined rectangular conference table and me. A woman in her mid-thirties, in PJs, with rancid breath and hair that looked like an abstract artist's sculpture. If only they could see the person behind the voice. I said, oh well, what the fuck, I'm here already. Might as well get this going. About three minutes into the conversation, I was asked my opinion of which the most amazing thing happened. The thoughts were replaced with knowledge and advice that came flooding out of my mouth. More questions came and more answers I gave. And on and on. I became the watcher, watching myself in action and smiling knowing that I was doing it. That all those thoughts that I had spent so much time on were just... thoughts. Not truth. When I got off the phone after being well-received and thanked for giving the time to speak to them, I laughed. And not a chuckle, but a full-bellied roar. I was laughing at myself at how incredible it was that I spent so much energy on believing that I couldn't provide anything of value. That my years and years of work left me with no knowledge. That I was intimidated at the age, status, and size of this company and the heads that ran it, and ultimately... I was laughing in excitement that I did it. I knew this was a moment in time that I could refer to later, and I did. This nerve-wracking memory helped me prepare for the day of the upfront and actually was one of the key components in me saying yes to going in the first place. It reminded me that I made the choice to go, regardless of whether or not I knew what I was doing. Someone had thought I did, and it was an opportunity for me. Once I made the choice, I was strapped in for the ride. I took the 35-minute train into New York City and then the E-subway train all the way downtown to the World Trade Center stop. My flat shoes had worn a blister into the back of my heel already. You can always tell a female New Yorker who works in the city from the others. They tend to wear sneakers or flats with their suit dresses on their way to work and then change into their heels when they arrive. It was now 8.45 a.m., and I finally got above ground to see the One World Trade Building right in front of me. My heart sank a bit as I was reminded of September 11th. It was the first time I saw, in person, a building where the giant gaping hole once was. I talk about my 9-11 experience on the Big Girl Panties episode called Raw, in case you want to hear more about it. So I'm now hobbling to the Time Inc. building a few blocks away. We're set to meet at 9 a.m., I arrive and change into my heels, which, thank God, stops the pain from the extremely angry blister. We walk upstairs to have breakfast, and I push myself to mingle because, after all, I've come this far. The day goes on and on. I see networks put on one stage show after another, each show host being more famous than the next. I got to see and meet Ira Glass... Questlove, Katie Couric, Shaquille O'Neal, Michael Rappaport, Malcolm Gladwell, Abby Wambach, and so many others. But the highlight was looking at the agenda and seeing a name I haven't seen in 19 years. Chuck Nice. We used to hang out in the same crowd back when I lived in Philly. 
During the upfront after party, we walked up to each other and our eyes lit up in recognition. We caught up on life for quite some time. I left that 12-hour day that I had spent weeks prepping for on a high. Not just because of all the people I met, or seeing a friend for the first time in 19 years, but because once again I did it. I pushed through the fear and didn't allow it to stop me from experiencing life and new opportunities. I get to add that to yet another occasion where I was nervous, yet did it anyway. Sometimes, you get to just jump in the middle and have it turn out, trusting that you'll know exactly what to do when you need to do it. We can't know what the outcome of everything will be, as we really have no control over anything. Besides, if you knew the end of your book, how fun would it be to experience the middle? So jump off the cliff of uncertainty. Even though you can't see a parachute, it's there to land you safely into the river of possibility. As always, I encourage you to get out there, put on your big girl panties, and connect with your world. And if you want to connect with us or see any corresponding pictures or documents pertaining to this episode, you can find us on Facebook at Big Girl Panties. And until next time, this is Jennifer Hodugatz. Big Girl Panties is hosted by Jennifer Hodugatz and produced out of the Hangar Studios in New York City. Don't